In the name of Jesus, amen. Thy kingdom come. It is a beautiful petition. We want God's kingdom to come among us. And what is God's kingdom? We learned about God's kingdom in catechism class. There is a threefold kingdom. There is the kingdom of power, where Christ our King rules over all creation for our benefit. He works everything together for the good of those who love him. In the kingdom of power, even the devil and his angels are subject to the Almighty Son of God. But while we believe that Christ rules in the kingdom of power, we do not yet see it. Tonight's readings from Revelation chapters 18 and 2 Timothy reveal to us the other two kingdoms which we learned about, the kingdom of grace and the kingdom of glory. And so tonight we rejoice in the fact that Babylon the Great is fallen. Today we will meditate on three points. First, what is Babylon? Second, how is Babylon fallen now? And finally, how shall Babylon finally fall? Babylon the Great is fallen. But what is Babylon? What did John the Apostle see in these visions given to him by God? It is important for us to know that the Apostle John is speaking apocalyptically. He is using imagery known to his hearers to make a point. When John sees Babylon, he is seeing the gross idolatry of Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, and he also sees the judgment of exile. John sees much more than that. Babylon is an image of the entire anti-Christian world, which hates God and despises his people. In this image, you see the wealth and the power of the world. Kings flock to it. Merchants become wealthy from it. Today, we might use many images to describe this luxurious but anti-Christian reality. The Mall of America, Wall Street, TikTok. But Babylon is the one image that totally encapsulates this reality. Babylon is the materialism of New York. It is the nature-loving and sodomitic ways of San Francisco. It is the cutthroat nature of windy Chicago, and it is the style of Paris. Where we would use many images, God uses one. Babylon. Babylon the rich. Babylon the mighty. Babylon the damned. What defines Babylon? What are Babylon's characteristics? First, Babylon is defined by power. In our text, we hear about two groups who hold power. We hear of kings and we hear of merchants. Kings represent civil power. They command armies and hold sway over territory. They have the power to condemn people to banishment or to death. The other group is the merchants. They represent economic power. While this power cannot be exercised as overtly or nakedly as civil power, the merchants exercise their power subtly and pervasively. Economics may not have armies or tanks, but the dollar can certainly end life through a trade embargo or inflation. And both these groups who have power are beholden to Babylon. 
The kings indulge themselves with Babylon. The merchants become wealthy through Babylon. The former use power for their own indulgence. The latter use the indulgence of others to gain power. Both groups have a vested interest in keeping Babylon great. And so when Babylon does fall, they weep and mourn because they stand or fall with Babylon. The application of this is important. While politics and economics are good works of God, they can and often are perverted by the anti-Christian world in which we live. Politicians today trade the truth of God's word for the fiction of religious freedom so that they might remain in office a little while longer. Many so-called servants of the state abuse their power for their own pleasure, as we see with Jeffrey Epstein and his crew. Politicians and merchants of death together invest in the military-industrial complex to line their pockets with blood money. And for the merchant, the customer is always right, even when the customer wants evil, despicable things. There are great temptations in politics and in economics. When you are a public servant and you use your power for your own gain, then you indulge in the fornication of Babylon. If you are a merchant who buys and sells, regardless of what God's word says about it, then you are getting rich off of Babylon. And when we Christians remain silent and quietistic, when these things happen, we partake in the sins of these kings and merchants. Dear Christians, it should not be this way. Be not partakers in other men's sins. Keep yourself pure. Rather, we must speak truth to power, as the scriptures say. I will speak of your testimonies also before kings, and will not be ashamed. We are in the world, but we are not of it. Let us avoid the temptations which would bring us back into the devil's dark kingdom. Babylon also is defined by fornication and by luxury. Our text says, For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. What is fornication in Revelation chapter 18? Well, it includes both unrestrained sexual indulgence and it also includes idolatry. The two go together. The more you fornicate, the more you fancy other gods, other religions, other vain philosophies. So is it really any wonder that the great church teacher Augustine, who before his conversion struggled with sexual sins, also struggled with the plain teaching of Christianity? This word, fornication, encompasses the utter degeneracy of Babylon, of the anti-Christian world. Luxury here is an interesting word. Perhaps a better translation would be wantonness, debauchery, or bloatedness. Luxury here means that a person is so consumed by physical pleasures that they are drunk, besotted, or insensible. This doesn't just mean physical drunkenness, but luxury here can also refer to the arrogance and to the insolence of the godless. This word luxury is used in the Old Testament to refer to Sennacherib, who taunted both God 
add Hezekiah. God said to him, Because your rage against me and your tumult have come up to my ears, therefore I will put my hook in your nose and my bridle in your lips, and I will turn you back by the way which you came. The rage and the tumult mentioned here is the same word for luxury in Revelation 18. Sennacherib is not physically drunk, but he is so besotted with power and glory that he taunted God himself. The application here is obvious. Flee fornication. Sex outside of marriage leads to idolatry. Sodomy, so common in our day, leads to idolatry. There is a reason why Babylon is pictured as a harlot, because fornication and false belief go hand in hand, just like they did in the days of Balaam, who seduced the men of Israel to false worship through the love of foreign women. Flee luxury. Do not love too much the work of your own hands. Do not store up treasures here on earth, for where your treasures are, there your heart shall be also. During this Lenten season, think about the opposites of fornication and luxury. Think of true worship. Think of chaste living. Think of almsgiving. Think of fasting. Take the time to deny yourselves, because when you deny yourself, you also deny Babylon. Now we have meditated upon what Babylon the Great is. How is Babylon fallen now? I mean, that's exactly what our text says. It says, Babylon the Great has fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. This is a beautiful sentence. Babylon is fallen now. Despite her power, despite her might, despite her riches, despite her insolence, Babylon is dethroned, she is impoverished, she is impotent, she is humbled. This is the gospel. God has defeated our great anti-Christian enemy. But how? How has God made Babylon to fall? Well, first, God sends angels, that is, messengers. Our text says, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illumined with his glory, and he cried mightily with a loud voice. The word angel means messenger. And this messenger doesn't have to be a spiritual being. Think back. Think back to Revelation chapter 1. There is an angel or a pastor of Ephesus, of Smyrna, of Philadelphia. This angel is a pastor. He comes from heaven. That is, he is sent by God, and he bears in his own mouth a heavenly message. He preaches with great authority, the same authority that Jesus preached with and which astonished the multitudes who heard him preach. The earth is illuminated with the preacher's glory, that is, the glory of the gospel. Because what else is the preacher's glory but the glory of the cross? What is the preacher's glory but that glory which Christ won 
after he suffered for our sins and was raised again for our justification. And this glory is a light which is shining in the darkness, this light which illumines darkened minds and hearts, and it transfers men into Christ's kingdom of light. And this encounter happens, not just at one point in history, but it happens every single time God sends you a preacher. This picturesque language used here is an image of the daily work of the pastor who speaks God's word in church, in the study, in the parking lot at young folks. And this preaching is the coming of Christ's kingdom of grace. This is how God's kingdom of grace comes among us. It comes through preaching, through the crying with a loud voice. And so here, right now, Babylon is fallen. Here, right now, Babylon is made desolate. Here, right now, the promise of the angel is true. Babylon is fallen because you believe. Our Heavenly Father gives us His Holy Spirit so that by His grace we believe His Holy Word and lead a godly life here in time and hereafter in eternity. The Holy Spirit comes only through the Word of Christ because faith comes by hearing. And no one can receive the things of God except by the Holy Spirit. Second, Babylon has fallen now because of the effect of preaching, faith. Our text says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, lest you receive of her plagues. What a wonderful invitation this is. A voice from heaven invites us to leave Babylon the great, Babylon the mighty, Babylon the damned. Like Abram of old, we are called out of the anti-Christian kingdom of sin and of death and of darkness. We are invited to separate from Babylon and to sojourn in this life as aliens and as pilgrims. Why? Because now, because of the preaching, we desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. And that's why God is not ashamed to be called our God because he has prepared an eternal city for us. We are invited to separate and to be at enmity with the harlot Babylon. And that means that God is on our side and that we truly are his people. This is the kingdom of grace. And it comes even without our prayer. That's why we pray that God's kingdom would come among us also. The picture painted in Revelation 18 happens each and every day in your hearts, in your homes, in your schools, and in your jobs. Each day you remember the words of the Bible and the words which were preached to you on Sunday. Each day God tenderly invites you and he calls you out by his Holy Spirit and he calls you out of Babylon so that you might be saved from the sins of Babylon. Babylon has fallen now. Because faith is the way in which we overcome the world. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Therefore, do not despair at the world, dear Christian. Babylon has fallen now. 
because Babylon has fallen in you. You have been separated from that evil city, and you have been brought into Christ's kingdom. God's kingdom has come to you. Do not presume, dear Christian. We don't believe in once saved, always saved. The kingdom of God must continually and daily come among us. Babylon must be overthrown daily by preaching and by God's word, lest we return to that God-forsaken city to suffer her sins and her plagues. Babylon is fallen. But what is true isn't apparent to us. The kingdom of grace is hidden. Things don't look any different. The kings and the merchants still indulge themselves and grow fat. In fact, Babylon seems to be extending and growing. We see this in our first lesson, in Paul's life. At the end of Paul's life, everything looked hopeless. After years of preaching and teaching, Paul is abandoned. No one is with him. Even one of his fellow preachers, Demas, has gone back to Babylon, back to the world. Paul, the great angel and messenger of God, is forsaken by all. He doesn't seem to have any authority. Not only is he forsaken by his friends, but he is also assailed by his enemies. Paul says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You must also beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. This Alexander resisted the gracious invitation to leave Babylon, and instead he did much harm to God's angel, God's messenger. And so to all earthly observations, it seems that God's kingdom has not come, or that it has failed, and that Babylon has not fallen, but that it's actually in ascendance. But earthly observation is not the truth. The apparent is not the real. Jesus says, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. God's kingdom comes, and it is hidden under simple words, simple water, simple bread and wine. Paul was not a lonesome failure. He was truly an angel of God with great authority. And God shows this at the end of our lesson, when the kingdom of grace shall give way to the kingdom of glory, and Babylon shall completely and utterly fall. Revelation 18 says, Then a mighty angel took up a stone, like a great millstone, and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down, and shall not be found anymore. With this symbolic gesture, the angel makes it clear. Babylon shall be completely and suddenly destroyed. Just as the millstone sinks into the sea, so also the destruction of this Babylon shall be all at once, so that not a trace of it shall be preserved for posterity. Babylon shall finally and completely fall when our Lord Jesus comes again in all of his glory on the last day. All the saints and prophets whose blood splattered Babylon stones 
shall be avenged. When our strong Lord Jesus comes again, he shall burn Babylon and indeed the entire universe with fire. All evil will be destroyed and consigned to the lake of fire. All wrongs will be made right. The city of evil shall give way to God's city, the new Jerusalem, which shall come down out of heaven. Babylon shall finally be destroyed on the last day. But for those of us who die in the Christian faith, Babylon shall also finally fall forever when we die in Jesus. Look at the saints in our text. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. In heaven we will rejoice over Babylon the harlot, for she can no longer tempt us, harm us, or seduce us into sin. It is the same for, the, for Paul when he says, The Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. The saints in heaven are triumphant. They rejoice. They are safe from Babylon. They are safe from that harlot. No sin can touch them. No evil shall befall them. They are more than conquerors in Christ. Who loved them, gave himself up for them. In his kingdom of grace, we shall face our own Alexanders, and we shall be forsaken by men. As God the Father says to Christ in Psalm 110, Rule in the midst of your enemies. Christ does rule in the midst of his enemies, here in the kingdom of grace. And yet, we pray. We pray that God would let his kingdom come among us, that he might deliver us from every evil work and preserve us from evil Babylon, and that he would, pre that he would preserve us and for his heavenly kingdom. Christ has won the victory. And now, through preaching, he shares the fruits of his triumph with us both in this life and in the life to come. And so rejoice, dear Christian, because God has heard your prayer. Thy kingdom come. For that great city Babylon, that mighty city, is fallen. In a single hour, it's amazing that our church services are an hour, her judgment has come. Rejoice, dear Christians, for Babylon has fallen in you. You're free. You're free from her sins. You're free from her plagues. You have been placed with Christ, the seed of the woman. And you are now forever at enmity with the old evil dragon. And so rejoice, dear Christians. For Christ shall answer your prayer, not only to bring his kingdom of grace to you, but that he will also bring his kingdom of glory on the last day, when Babylon the damned shall be destroyed forever. Amen. May the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. <laughs>